You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We are on episode 144 for this week. And for this week's episode, Dimitri and I, we were joined by New Jersey native Greg Litzinger. For those of you that know or have heard Greg on other podcasts know how much time and effort Greg puts into his scouting and his hunting each year. And Greg has been very, very successful for a very long time. And when he speaks on a topic, he makes it very relatable. And man, I just love listening to his tactics and strategies and his outlook on things. So in this specific episode, we dive into topics regarding the pre-rut phase and more specifically what sign he is looking for his camera strategy, how and what develops uh, a game plan for him, and what sign and cameras are telling him when it rega- regarding that. So the main goal for Greg this year is to kind of get back to his roots to finding the freshest of fresh buck sign. And if that sign is not there, to keep moving forward until he finds it. So I'm really interested to hear what other people think when they listen to this one because a lot resonates in this uh, week's episode. And Greg also dives into saving specific hunting locations uh, during this time frame right now, finding specific food sources, uh, hunting mornings or evenings, scrape setups, having that killer mentality and how to avoid slash overcome obstacles. So a ton of great information in this episode. Really enjoyed this one. So uh, hopefully you do as well. And we'll see you next week when we have Ryan Glitzke on the podcast. So check it out. And thanks again, everybody. Best of luck to you. Antler up. 
And before we get into this week's episode, I want to share with you a discount code from Black Rifle Coffee. And Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. So fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or your first club coffee club subscription. And also, if you are following us on Instagram, make sure to check out below our our description in the description of the picture in the podcast we do put up some different discount codes we have on there with vapor trail stoker eyes buck fever scent and lore so definitely check check that out last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers we partnered with social media platform go wild to combat mainstream social media censorship go wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you go wild is a free social community not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. All right, everybody, let's get into this week's episode. All right, man, well, let's get into this. So what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. This week, we're joined on the other line by Greg Litzinger. So, Greg, man, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, man, it's always a pleasure. Always, man. Well, dude, we're in that part of time where more and more bucks are hitting the ground. I mean, with the right weather, hunting conditions, over the last few years, this has been a very popular time frame for, you know, a some hunters favorite time of the year to get out there, the pre rut time, uh, we're still able to hunt bedding area bucks are laying down a shit ton of sign and it's all the good stuff. So that's what we're going to dive into, get everybody amped right. up for this, this week. So right off the bat, Greg, I, you've been on a shit ton of podcasts. You've been on ours again. So this is a repeat for you, man, to yes. begin the conversation. Let's jump into it. What are you doing this time frame to fill your tag? For me, it's, um, I'm an October guy, like September, like I'll see deer, but I, I really start, I think I'm a, a slow starter. You know, I, I, uh, I gotta make some mistakes and I gotta, you know, play it the hard way, I guess. And, um, trail cameras don't seem to help me out in early season, you know, I'll, not, not consistently anyway, you know, I'll, I'll see a buck and it kind of messes me up. So right now I just got camera soaking and I'm just trying to cut fresh tracks in spots, either where I might have a picture of a deer or where I think they might be bedded looking for food. You know, I've really been focusing on, in on my food a lot more these last couple of years and just trying to cut a fresh track and then, you know, taking the best uh, approach to where I think it could be bedded. Nice. Now, are you changing up the location of your cameras since you said kind of that early on? in the season that they're not really showing you much. Are you, are you just letting them soak where they are? And then eventually as that pre-rec kind of kicks off, you're seeing a little bit more activity or is it you're kind of cha- pulling them, moving them, looking for more sign and the, and then using them uh, in different spots? A, a combination of both. Like some areas, like historically speaking, I just keep them sitting there because I know it's just a matter of time for the bucks are showing up. And a lot of my cameras, I, I do – I mean, I said, I've been on a lot of podcasts. I've given away a lot of dates and times and secrets, but like, there's a lot of stuff that I keep like that I keep to myself, yeah. you know, but like a lot of my 
you know, I've been running cameras off and on for probably a decade, and I got a notebook of just dates, times, and locations. And I really like data log and stuff. You know, I got a whole laptop that I can't even turn on anymore. There's so much stuff on it, which is <laughs> pictures, dates, and times. So historically, historical spots, the cameras are there for just because I've been around there for years. And I like to see, you know, what the weather, moon, and all that stuff has to do with deer movement. But like the big woods that I've been hunting here these last couple of years, I, it's a little bit of, I got cameras soaking and I'm kind of moving cameras. Like Sunday I went out and looking for acorns because acorns are just everywhere yeah. by us this year. I mean, they're dropping, maybe probably because it's so dry, but a lot of acorns are dropping. So I put out three cameras on just trees that are dropping acorns, like a little, uh, right off cart roads, you know, like I expect nighttime pictures. I'm gonna let them soak for a week. If there's a buck in the area, odds are he's going to hit that train eat. So I'm going to check the cameras probably Friday when I get off work. Yeah, I'm going to go hunting after Friday, you know, when I get off work. So I can hit all three cameras. It's a long, you know, track. The first one, nothing there. I'll pull the camera, second and third. If nothing, I'll probably just pack up and head home. I'm not just going to waste my time, you know. Yep. Uh, yep. It, try and get some intel. Maybe something's good. and Maybe a buck's like, well, maybe, you know, it's 8 o'clock. He could be close, you know, and go back and, and try and, like, think where he could be bedded, you know. So I'm drilling, like, a little bit of both. Yeah. And I'm just trying yeah. to hunt like I used to before, like, cameras and, and, like, family life, all that stuff, where I just was straight after hot side. Just going in the woods, like, no big tracks. I'm not hunting at night. I'm just, you know, I'll drive around or I'll try and cut a big track, you know, make a big loop where deer expect to smell humans, hiking trails, stuff like that. So... I'm just trying to get back to my roots of hunting, mm-hmm. uh, fresh sign. Mm-hmm. If, no, if nothing's there, why am I going to waste time sitting in a tree, you know, stinking up the area for, you know, something. You know, I got I got a buck tag. I can shoot a buck. So that's my focus to try and shoot a buck. Yeah. You know, so that's trying to keep it simple and, and basic and just not overcomplicate it. So how are and you? I'm not targeting like a, a specific deer or anything. I mean, if I have like the cameras, I got a couple scrapes that are really going off and on, but it's inconsistent. So it's like they're 4 a.m., they're 6 a.m., they're 6 p.m., 2 p.m. So I'm not even going in that spot till it gets a little closer when I, I know these deer are going to be a little more consistent on the time frame hitting these scrapes. Yeah. So now, how are you yeah, handling? Even getting a nighttime photo, does that, because I know some people are like, I don't even care. Like, I know you're saying on your old computer, you have dozens of, you know, thousands of stuff going on with that. Do you take into any consideration nighttime photos at all? And, you know, how do you distinct? Within within an hour, yep, hour and a half of, of you know, say like right now we're what, 7.30, it's pretty much dark. 9.30 is probably the cutoff for me. Okay. Because... Um, it's not like, you know, say Southern Ohio or Western PA where you got 50,000 acres. I might have 1,500 acres I'm hunting these little pieces. So yeah. if he's coming in at midnight, odds are he's probably not betting. I'm, I'm a good a good assumption. Uh, he's probably not betting in that piece. He's betting somewhere else. Right. So for me, it's just wasting my time trying to hunt a deer that's not in there all the time uh, or daylight, day walking in that area. Yeah. So during this time frame here in, in that late October, are you going into an area that you've saved for all year? Because I know it's tough for you with the type of pressure that you're dealing with. Like we deal with a, a 
plethora of, of hunters. You are dealing with plethora of hunters, but also individuals that are baiting. You know what I mean? So you, yeah. you kind of got like a double-edged sword going on, Greg. Yeah. So are, do you try to save a spot? Um, and I, I want to see where you go with that answer. Cause then I do want to ask you another question to build off of that. So are you saving a particular spot for this time frame right now? Yes, I have some historical scrape spots that are, you know, they produce, you know, the mid-October. I'll throw a sit in it, you know, check the camera that I have on it, see if something's coming in there. And, like, late October. If nothing's in there mid-October, I'll, I'll jump back in there around the, the 25th of October. But usually those spots are historical spots unless I'm, you know, scouting, you know, going to a new spot and, yeah, there's some scrapes here and I get in there and it's just like a giant six foot scrape. Then I'm going to take, take a step back. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I ain't going any further, you know, yeah. because this is fresh, you know, this is, this is, you know, something's happening right here, right here, right now. And usually those scrapes like that are food dependent that I've been finding is I'm paying more and more attention to what they're eating. Those scrapes are really dependent on the oaks or the cutting the corn down and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a multitude of things. I'm trying to, uh, you know, take as many things into consideration as, as humanly possible. Cause I don't have, you know, like most people, I'm, I don't have the time to hunt four days after work anymore or stuff like that. So it's like, I need to be real selective with my time. So if it's not there, I'm not going to force it, you know? Yeah. So now here's the, the build on that. Like, it's kind of like a scenario hypothetical at you. So early on, let's say early October, you're getting, um, images of a buck, maybe a, a, a specific buck, but also a good area that you want to be around. So you go in there, you be aggressive, you shoot your shot. It doesn't work out, right? You, you just, it did, didn't happen. So now instead of like continuously to pressure that area, you leave up your cameras cause you know, you're, you're good. You potentially could come back. Are you going yeah. to go back during this time frame when you know bucks are going to be cruising? Like you said, finding that hot, you know, sign is yeah. that like, yeah. I have, I have, yeah, I, I have no problem going in there and, uh, you know, checking it again, you know, and except cause you know, as most spots there, there's a, I call it the three day window, you know, there, there's like three days where it's like really good. So it's like, all right, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to hunt it. If nothing's there, you know, then maybe I'll go back, you know, in three or four days and, and try another sit because there's a small window where it's like they're day walking in an area and then they're kind of moved off from either pressure or just the natural way that deer are, are programmed around here. So yeah. I, I have no problem going back, uh, especially as we get closer towards that, you know, Halloween time when the bucks are definitely making some mistakes, you know, and they're going to tolerate a little bit more human scent than say like right now, you know, mm -hmm. mid September, October, because, you know, the first estrus, they're going to get, you know, they're going to get turned up a little bit and, you know, so you got to make sure you're in those spots when that happens. Yeah. Well, and I think that this time frame also produces a little bit more of that colder weather too. You know, I mean, yes. it could be, it could be hot. I mean, unusual year, but you know, you got that kind of that, the typical cold front that comes in the middle of October, but then you get to the later of the month and, the, and then you are getting some of those more of those cold spells and, um, so that goes into play with what days and, and where you want to be uh, in those transitional areas as well. Correct. Yeah, like that that October fifteenth range. If you're if there's 
they're calling for a 10 degree swing, usually I'm going to get sick at work. <laughs> I can't make it in today. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, those cold fronts mid October could definitely, you know, I, I've seen a lot of big deer. I've killed a lot of big deer in the middle of October, um, on those cold fronts. Yeah. You know, that first day, second day of cold front, if it's like starts going like three or four days, usually it's kind of, it's kind of worn off a little bit, but that first, you know, 30 hours of a cold front seems to be money being if I'm in North Jersey, South Jersey here, or PA, or even Kentucky, when I was hunting Kentucky, if you get a, that first 30 hours, if you can get that cold front and you're in the spot where deer want to be, be it food or scrapes, like, or you're going to have a lot of fun <laughs> those days. Yeah. So you're saying you've mentioned it a couple times already within this conversation, Greg, about getting back to your roots, right? Is that, you know, is that same scouting more, hunting less, and because you're you're being more specific and selective about your yeah. like when you're hunting, like talk talk, I guess bring up about what changed and then why you're going back, I guess in a sense. I said all all these deer that I've killed. I had zero trail. I, I wasn't running trail yep. cameras because I was running them, but you, they were out for like months at a time. So they were like year long data, you know, data cams, one or two cameras. And I didn't have one picture of any of these deer. I just hunted bucks on rubs, tracks, you know, like, and, and beds. So I didn't really know what was making the sign. I knew it was big deer sign. So it's like I'd hunt an area where I'm like, I'm hunting big deer sign, you know, and then you've met my wife or, you know, and then kids and family. And it's like, well, all right. I, so I'll, I'll run some cameras, but then we all get caught up. You know, everybody does it. You know, the long-term data becomes short-term data, you know, and I made a mistake of like, all right, I'll put out more cameras. And I, I felt like I was, I was learning because I'm, I'm getting data, getting Intel, but I wasn't necessarily hunting, you know? So I was like, and I'm, I have say 10 cameras on two pieces that are two or 3000 acres. Like that's pretty much an all day event to check those cameras. So I sped up my time in the woods. I wasn't like observing what they were eating tracks. You know, I was kind of like, all right, I gotta, I gotta check these 10 cameras. I gotta move them. So instead of still hunting and scouting, I was moving cameras and you know, we all guilty of, Oh, look at this picture of a buck. And it kind of throws you off what you want to do. So now it's like, I have my cameras out. And from running cameras long enough, and then, you know, I was running two or three cameras in, in a wide berth. Like, how many cameras are missing deer that are still coming through there? So I was like, ah, there's not no big deer coming through here. But I was putting two or three cameras, you know, so there's very little overlap of cameras. I'm like, wow, my camera's in the wrong spot. Those bucks are coming through here like I thought. So it's like, all right, so I need to take a step back, hunt the big buck sign, hunt the fresh buck sign. And no matter what the camera says, you know, unless it's like over a scrape or something, you know, but like trails is like big woods, mountains, you know, those deer could be just five yards off. You're not going to get them. Yeah. You know? Yep. So like the, the roots is just getting back to what I was successful, just interpreting and reading sign as, as it was happening and then making decisions based on that sign, not a picture of a deer or lack thereof. That's great. I mean, boom. I know, and I'm, I'm glad he brought that up, and I was thinking about the same thing before he he, he mentioned that, is, is we don't know, we rely so much on camera intel, which which is good a lot of the times, but like he said, you that is just a small area of that woods, 
and yep. and and we could just be like, man, I was thinking the other day, like a couple of my camera cell cameras, man, they've been kind of dead a little bit lately. But I'm like thinking, you know, that's a small window, especially in a thicker area that that these deer are transitioning in. I mean, that means nothing really. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously you might want to be maybe sitting right at that location, but you're not gaining the big picture by not a pay, yep. paying attention to the details, um, like he said, like looking at the sign and what they're eating and, you know, where are they traveling? Um, you know, I think sometimes we need to go back to old school and uh, we'll be a little more successful. Yeah, and that's the one thing too, Greg, that I've always had, like, you've always been like the mind-blowing thing for me was because i i know it, it it's been more so recently that you've been running the cameras and like yeah. I, you know what i mean so that's that's why too again like yeah more i've been more public with it you know and it starts with you know and then like i worked at a hunting store you know and then i worked at another one so it's like i would get stuff all right cameras were dumping cameras out in the season so i'd buy four or five at a time like i literally have like a 55 gallon tote full of cameras i couldn't tell you how many i have you know probably 40 mm-hmm. and I have like 90% deployed right now. And I mean, I got some old ass cameras here, like white flash, like big <laughs> cantankerous things, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you put it out in the yard, like you can catch like Bigfoot, like three miles away with that white flash, <laughs> you know? And it's like, but I ran them, but like I said, they were all long-term data stuff, you know? And it's like, and then you, the, the ever, I need to be better. I need to kill something bigger. You know, you, you kind of, you know, I know I lost my way a little bit, so kind of just taking a step back and slowing it down, you know, and, you know, anybody who's got kids understands, you know, I can't put a deer over my family. So like I'm, I'll take three straight weeks off unless I'm going away. I'm not hunting every day. So now like I, I told my wife, you know, I got three days. There's three days. I'll be off for a week, but three days, sun up, sun down. I'm not here. Yeah. Like I, when I can start to come home, I'll help out. But so I get like little two, three day windows where I can hunt for three days, like really invest my, my focus. So I have my certain dates where I'm going to go all in on those three days and then be a dad, be a husband, you know, and then when next vacation comes around, you know, I get my three days and really dive into those three days of just pure hunting. You know, it, it's hard to hunt around here seven straight days or, or two straight weeks. I was like, daddy, daddy, yo, oh, I got to hang pictures and go to the dump, go food shopping, you know, softball, field hockey, whatever it might be. So I'm like, all right, so get my three days and then you guys can have me for the rest of the vacation. Yeah. Now, what sort of terrain features are you, are you maybe focusing on at this time frame? Um, you know, looking at that last week, October, where the, the bucks might be on their feet a little bit more. Is there something like terrain wise that you're keying in on or um, is it just depends on, you know, the location of your hunt? Um, since pretty much I'm trying to uh, focus on scrapes in security cover, just on the edge of security cover where it's just kind of open but it's not super open you know around here we're in the big woods i'm hunting it's everybody hunts they want to see far so they hunt in the open yep all the big bucks scrape all the young guys scrape but the bigger deer will just be on the edge of this laurel where they're they don't need to show themselves or if i'm hunting salt marsh you get those little isolated patches where you know there there's scrapes there but the deer don't need to expose themselves you know and the bucks are still kind of smart 
end of October, Halloween time, you know, like last week of October, they're not full on, you know, berserker mode, but they're making a lot of mistakes. They're making some mistakes. So they're still going to want to be protected checking these scrapes. So usually this isn't down one side of security t- cover type scrapes. How important it, during this time too is like the food sources, like you said, right? This year we're going to have a big mass crop of, of acorns, um, yeah. you know, and obviously like you just said with the whole, I know like during the rut time, you know, we're, we're, we want that corridor to funnels and all that stuff. But like right now when those bucks are cruising and seeking and you, you find that scrape and, you know, is it important to also be near that Oak flat that's still hot dropping or, you know, the, or yeah, if it's, you know, like I, I had a spot last year and I think that I think I made a video on it this year where I put the camera up, but it was, you know, I run a lot of throwaway cameras, you know, older cheapy ones. Um, and this flat was tore up with scrapes year prior. I mean, there was, I mean, mega scrapes all over the place. I put the camera up, checked it a few times, you know, I get the little reader. You can't really see much, you know, I, I need to bring like a tablet out with me so I can actually see pictures. And the first time I pulled, it was like, I really nothing going on. So I put it back and I pulled it right for a shotgun. I had so many deer come through there, but they were just staying in the cover. They're still coming through there, but those trees, oak trees weren't dropping so they're still coming through that area the same frequency, but they weren't stopping in the open. They were, they were, they were off, you know, 30 yards back just on the edge of that cover. So they're still coming through that spot, you know, but they're not actually scraping those. So every time I would doctor up, scrape the pre-oral buck, come in, scrape, but that would be it, you know, and it yeah. was like, you know, nothing really stuck. So the area was good. Just the food was behind the camera about a hundred yards in the open. So these bucks were staying, you know, with a south wind, westerly wind, they were staying in the thick stuff, scent checking those scrapes. They weren't exposing themselves. But when the the oaks were dropping in that spot, like they had to come out because those scrapes were in the open a little bit more. Yeah. On those, in those, in that scenario, say the bucks are coming in, you know, checking that scrapes and all that stuff. How, how, what is your setup? Cause we're all saddle hunters, you know what I mean? So you, yeah. we could got, kind of get tucked in there. And so what is your, your setup looking like for that situation? Scrapes. Usually I like to get as high as possible. Um, I'd like to be, you know, ideally like dude, John Eberhardt style, you know, 25, 30 feet up. But, uh, it's so thick in some of these spots where these scrapes are, you know, I'm lucky if I can get 10, you know, and it's just like the higher you get, the the better your scent stream is going to be, you know, and you're hunting like swamp edges. So you get a lot of shifty swirling wind. So the higher I can get, the better. But usually I like to be, you know, 20 yards and some of these spots, I mean, 20 yards is a, it's a, it's a poke. Yeah. And some, you know, I'm like 10 yards, which it's real sketchy, man. Like those bucks come, even they're coming in for that scrape, it's still, it's even the little guys, they're just so cautious sometimes, you know, because it's like this, they're coming in like their guards down, but they're still on like high alert. They're going to work that scrape over, but you, they work the scrape over and they stop and they're like looking around because they lose their focus. You know, their, yeah. their, their shield goes down for a second while they're doing the things and they, they kind of just, like, reality snaps back in. They like look around and it's like, you're only, you know, eight, 10 feet up, <laughs> like 10 yards back. It's, it's exhilarating, but it's like nerve wracking because it's like, and one false move, you know, something creaks or, you know, you shift around on that platform, you get a piece of bark falls, like it's over before it starts. Yeah. And a lot of times there's, it's so thick, the cover, it's like, you know, I'm just sitting there like hanging out or, or dozing out, dozing off. And it's like, 
like wake up and they're like, they're already there. You're like, <laughs> so it's like, and sometimes they're coming in it. So it's like, they're almost like looking at me. So you're just like, I can't even move. Like my moment is gone, you know, cause the trail kind of curves in. So it's like, I can't even do nothing but watch him. So it's like, well, maybe I can squeeze a shot off when he leaves. And it's never the case. You know, if you're not yeah. hunting a scrape and like ready to go, like all the time, it's, you know, it, it could be nerve wracking because you're, your one opportunity you might get for a season, if you're not ready to capitalize on it, it can be, you know, it can come and go and you don't get another one. Yep. Now you talked about making mock scrapes, which is something we've been kind of diving into a little bit ourselves a little bit more. Now, have you seen success of making these mock scrapes and actually hunting them um, throughout the season? Um, and if so, when when are you typically making them? Are you making them early on? Because I know we've we've talked to Steve Shirk, and you know he likes to make them in March, even after the season, yeah. which gives a long time frame for those deer to actually take that scrape over. Uh, and then when you lead into the season, it's more of that you know the community or the the, the that mature bucks taking that scrape over at that time. Uh, mixture of both. Um, when I first got into hunting scrapes, it was pretty much um, doctoring up or making a mock scrape right next to a big scrape. So there's a scrape here. I'm going to just take this branch over here in the same tree that seems to really work over like the bigger bucks. Like because in my spot, you know, so yeah. like, you know, and I used to doctor them up with, I mean, I used tanks, power scrape, you know, I had great success with that back in the day. And now I use pretty much, I use this pre-orbital um, even now, um, just pre over and I spray the, spray the snot out of the licking branches. And that seems to get a good response from the bucks and the does, you know, cause if you can get it, you can get some does to start, you know, working that licking branch over, yep. you know, then bucks are going to be like, Oh, okay. Like it, it's a little bit more friendly, you know, and the big woods I've been hunting here, I've been searching for a year round buck scrape. And I actually found one scout in this big, thick laurel patch. And I was like, look around at a camera. It was like March. I was like, man, this scrape looks fresh. You can see like tracks in it. So I put a camera in it and I checked it Sunday and it got hit from March and the batteries were still good until the day I pulled the camera, like Sunday, like that, that, uh, that morning bucks were hitting it all summer long. So I'm like, Oh, all right. I found one of those, you know, yep. Steve Scherf type scrapes where the bucks are betting close by and they're hitting it on a consistent basis. So it's like, all right, cool. But usually most of my scrapes are, strictly end of October and I'll, I'll get some action, you know, around, believe it or not, December 10th, um, which is so odd consistently from the 9th to 11th of December, which is usually our gun season, which is weird. Yeah. I get a lot of activity on those days where I guess some does are coming back in the estrus. So bucks will start checking scrapes again. Yeah. And I think I know a lot of guys that gun hunt and I'm, you guys have religiously hunted for scrapes in December during gun. And I'm like, you're wasting your time. But now like my camera stuff is like, maybe they're not, maybe they're on the, <laughs> they're saying something, you know, they seen something. And this is like 20 years ago, they were doing this. So I'm like, Oh, these guys knew something. I didn't know. Like I should, should have took notes back then, you know, yeah. say myself, uh, probably could have killed a few deer to with, uh, when I was gun hunting. That's cool. I stuck scrapes. That's cool. How important is finding does during this time frame too? Just because you know this, you know, like in the rut, this is what you're focusing on. Like you're you you pass your window of the pre-rut time, and it's November. Like man, we got to find the does. Is that you know? Because we know 
some bucks are getting up during that time frame where he's going to try to find that first doe. Um, does most of my like primary, I'll call them, you know, I hate the word primary, you know, yep. um, you know, it's this, it's like a primary bet. It's very hard to dictate primary. Like for me, like primary, it's, it gets used all the time, you know, like there, I, to me, that's a community scrape. It's not a primary scrape, you know, like right. bucks, these scraping areas that are hot the late October, they're usually doe centered. There's high concentration of does and bucks are coming through there and does coming through there. And there's like, it's just, it's a mutual, you know, like the does coming through here and the bucks are like, Hey, I'll make some scrapes and I'll come through here too. And we'll, we'll check it out. You know, yep. um, like I said, that, that scrape I found in the summertime is a different story. It's all bucks, you know, from March uh, up until now. So it's like, all right, well, that's a lot different than, you know, a, a huntable scrape, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, doe time. I, I don't expect the the scrape I found to produce come you know late October. I think the bucks will be where the does are. It just happens to be where some bucks are hanging out. That's probably why they were scraping in March. You know, mm-hmm. and you know we'll, we'll see because I got yeah, I got two cameras in the area, so I'm gonna let them soak and see what happens. Yeah, that's what I think I'm excited for too because I have a spot back in Northeast PA where it it was pretty used heavily for a long time, like post season from march up until i want to say july with some bucks hitting it in velvet season and what with this scrape and does and then it got it got really died down i don't know what the food source was maybe on the overall across like the highway that i, I know sometimes deer like maneuver through in the summertime and then now all of a sudden you know here in like you know in september or october doe are hitting this mock scrape a lot more still really no bucks yet but i just that area is always just so historically good for bucks to come in there and check when the rut hits that I'm just, I'm waiting for that first October cold front. Like you said, to, for that buck towards the end, just uh, October, yep. Yep, to, ch- to check that. Okay. Who's hitting this great because I'm sure it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, and there's, you know, running cameras long enough, you know, uh, and listen to some podcasts uh, when I do listen to podcasts and guys that are, you know, they talk about, those you know this they come in the heat say november 1st there's a good chance her, her offsprings will come in the heat around that same time frame and i got two spots where it comes in super early like mid-october like bucks are chasing those in this this laurel thicket last couple of years so there must be there's obviously a doe coming in the heat because it's a lot of bucks that just show up you like it's like just straight does and it's just bucks galore and then it's like dead until you know like november 1st yeah there's a so you know, two or three day window where it's like does are running for their lives and like <laughs> five six bucks are just running all over the place it's like obviously it's the first doe that's coming in heat in the area so it's like every buck's like woo-woo, party yeah. time yeah. so it's like <laughs> feel bad for the doe because she she came by running with the camera like her tongues was hanging out like they were just dogging the dogging the shit out of her and i was like i felt bad for her because her fawn would like her, her yearling would like show up in the thing, like look all around, like what's happening. I was happening. Then like a buck would come and it's like little one would like run away. And I'm like, it's actually kind of comedic. Cause yeah. It's like, wow. Like it is like pure chaos, like in middle of October. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. Now, what do you see as far as hunting scrapes, as far as when that buck movement is going to take place? 
saying morning versus the evening. Do you yeah. typically, I know you're a morning guy. We've talked to you before. Yeah. Um, you like mornings in general, but as far as hunting scrapes, do you f- still feel like morning's the best time to catch up buck hitting that scrape, or do you think it's just dependent on the situation? I get a lot of my day walkers from morning until about like four o'clock. I don't believe it or not. I don't get a lot of bucks in the evening hitting the scrapes. I have cameras on. I don't know if it's just scrapes that I'm choosing mm-hmm. or closer like to, to morning bedding, you know, like, I don't know, but it's just, I don't get a lot of evening bucks on scrapes. Um, I think last year that I had six cameras on scrapes, six or seven, all, you know, from October to December. And I was only a handful of days where I had day walker evening bucks. They were usually the bigger bucks, you know, the, the foot probably in this area, there's not many four year olds running around anyway. So you probably a three or four year old. They would show up like the last half hour of dark, but it wasn't consistent enough. Like, Hey, he's in this area. He just happens to be over here. He don't work the scrape. He's just always off in the distance. Like he walks by enough to trigger the camera, but he's not, he can smell the scrape. And usually he, when I, when it's the thermal pulls working towards his, his advantage, you know, or the winds to his advantage. And he just walks by, he stops, you can see him like smell, you know, he kind of looks at where the camera and the scrape is and he goes about his merry way. But like the day in the morning, these bucks will come in and work the scrape over, you know, look at it, get real close to it, hang out. But then bigger, you know, in the evening, they just kind of stay in the shadows, if you will, you know, and just kind of disappear. And it's like, and I said, I don't know, I'm, maybe I'm just tear up. I am a terrible evening hunter. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> There's no denying that. I'm a horrible evening hunter. It doesn't matter if I'm in the salt marsh or in the mountains. Evening hunting in me is like, it's my kryptonite. Yeah. So during this time frame, Greg, you've been at this and been so successful for many years. And, you know, you just keep getting better and better at this. You know, obviously we're just saying family time. So you have those three-day windows. When shit hits the fan and you are faced with obstacles, you know, how do you maybe one try to avoid them or how do you overcome them when it comes to either maybe pressure, uh, thinking you're going to be in a good spot and it, it's turning out to be kind of cold. What, how do you, what's your game plan for when things don't go? You can't, the, you can't get mad like in life, hunting, life, business, fishing, whatever it might be, you know, like you have to put yourself in the, like the predator prey mindset, like a deer, doesn't get upset when he smells human. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, you know, necessarily react. You know, he responds to it like, all right, people are here. I'm going to go over here. Like we, I like to take that same approach. If I see people or, or signs called like, don't get angry. You know, anger is not going to help you. Getting frustrated isn't going to help you work through the problem. You know, like I, I fix things for a living. I get frustrated daily, every day. <laughs> so maybe it's a little bit easier for me because it just kind of goes with my line of work, you know, like, so it's like, if things aren't going well, take what you can and, and, you know, whatever lesson there is there to teach you either patience or, you know, or gratitude or, Hey, this spot sucks (laughs) and go somewhere else. And, you know, and scout your way out and just slow it down, you know, and just be very as, as still and calm as possible, you know, that way you're not making any rash decisions, you know, like my buddy's a quick story. Like my buddy, you know, Tony, he don't listen to podcasts, so I can talk trash on him, but <laughs> we get so frustrated. A few years ago, we're hunting, uh, we're, we're paddling by canoe 
mid-November, like November 12th. And I, he texted me. He's like, I'm getting down. Somebody's walking through the woods. I was like, well, don't. Let them push, drive deer to us. Like, we're in funnels. If any deer's coming through there, they're driving deer. It's kind of slow morning. They're going to drive deer to us. He was so angry, and he dropped me off. So he had the canoe, my canoe. And he's like, well, I'm leaving. And I'm like, well, come get me. So I'm literally... I just lower my bow down, you know, I'm, I'm getting down there. I'm like wrapping up my sticks and I was still using a, a stand back then, you know, and hang on. I was like two sticks high and I'm wrapping up sticks and I look up and here comes like a 140 inch 10 pointer. Oh. This deer pushed right to me and I'm like standing there. It's like, and like we kind of meet eyes and we, we gaze each other's eyes for a second and runs off. And I'm like, but he, Tony let those people, you know, take him out of his game. You know, and then which took me out of my game because I'm like, dude, I don't care if people walking around. You know, it's it's heavy pressure. There's a lot of people here. There's bird hunters. There's duck hunters. These deer don't care. They're just gonna just go around it. Like they're not gonna panic and like run for the hills. They're just gonna just oh, the people here and they push right out of bedding, push you know right through me. And if I couldn't get a shot, Tony was only a couple hundred yards away. That that buck probably would have you know went right to Tony. But yep. he allowed that situation to affect what we were doing and. Neither of us killed a deer that day. And you, but here's the other thing too. I think that a lot of people, like you said, like slow it down and maybe reassess the situation because it reminded me of us two years ago when the rut was crazy up here. And when you have someone, you're already set up. Like you, mm-hmm. you don't have to move. Like you're already in your area. And if that deer was bumped because someone walked through, maybe yeah. that deer runs off somewhere and is like, okay, that threat or whatever it was is gone now. And we all know now they're, they're not going to, you know, the next state over. You know, and then can, a lot of times they'll come downwind. They want to right. know what bumped them out, especially if they did, if it was a bump, it wasn't necessarily a wind bump, they bumped out bedding and they didn't smell them. They're going to come back around, yep. you know, and want to smell like what got close to me that scared me out of my bed, especially older deer. Like they want to know what, what scared them out. And yep. usually they'll come back around either, you know, if, if same token, come back there the next morning. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you bumped a deer out, you know, hunt there all day he doesn't come back jump in there next morning there's a good chance to come back into that bed you yeah. know and a lot of big deer are killed that way but a lot of people get so angry and frustrated and just like this spot sucks everything sucks i hate people i'm leaving <laughs> and it's like dude like how many bird hunters are in the woods hikers bird hunters mountain bikers you know squirrel hunters duck hunters you know like pressure we live on the east coast this isn't like Adirondacks where we're running into deer that ain't seen human in like three years, you know? So it's like, it's okay. It's just pressure. Yeah. And I mean, that's exactly, I, I remember you set up on three ridges above me. I was down on a couple and it was still bright as day. And I just remember getting set up and only been in the tree a little bit and out coming from the whole other side, this guy's walking towards me and I just kind of waved them off and I just I sat there for the rest of the evening and I ended up killing that doe that night. That was the night that I killed that doe. That was just like, ah, oh, screw it, here we go. And you yeah. know, I I had a lot of young. It was a younger buck chasing a bunch of a group of does. But I mean, I was getting towards the last light and I sh- I shot a doe that night. Like it's just yeah. you know, and they said, and it's public land, so it's not you're going to run into some issues, you know, and you have to learn to go except roll the punches. You know, you can't get angry because it it didn't go your way. This isn't, you know, if you're getting frustrated by people, you get a lease, you know, go somewhere where you have control over who's on that, you know, property with you, you know, or, or go hunt with an outfit or whatever it might be to make hunting supposed to be fun. So it's to be enjoyable. Like if you're getting angry, 
<laughs> slow it down, man. Like it, it's not, it's nothing to get angry over. Like you're not going to starve. You know, it's not like you can still go to the store and buy some meat. You're going to eat. It's not like you're, if I don't kill a deer, like I'm going to die. So it's <laughs> right. like, you know, take some pleasure and some joy out of it, man. Like don't make it super serious. Well, and I feel like this is that last week in October is kind of that first time frame where you may really get frustrated. Obviously, unless you had like a missed opportunity or something. But, you know, if you're having a rough season and you get to that late October and that's when kind of that frustration really starts to kick in. And we've had it happen uh, quite a bit the last few years where things just haven't been happening like we thought they would. And you get to that end of October and, and especially you, in that first cold front, you see people knocking some down and then you really like, like, man, what the heck am I doing here? And that's when you got to kind of focus a even little bit more yep. and then, you know, start to realize that things are going to start picking up here a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and when you see somebody having success, you know, like from years of competing and stuff like that, you know, say to yourself, like, Hey, congratulate them to yourself. You don't need to do it on, line or whatever like man good job that dude did it whether you can hate the dude or not but you know there could be some jealousy there but just tell yourself like all right it's happened you know like people are like knocking down, down some deer like i'm next you know you gotta have that positive mindset you gotta have that killer's mindset if you're going in the woods as, as a debbie downer man you're it could be a long it. season because yeah. you're going to just doubt every decision you make like i don't wake up but like i mean there's three deer i killed in the mountains i mean like no sh- i literally knew i was going to kill deer I mean, my, my first big deer, I'll never forget. I was at work and I had this picture. I actually still have a calendar of a deer. It's a big eight pointer. And I actually passed the big eight pointer up a few, like a week prior. I'm at work. And I was like, I'm going to go kill this deer tonight. And the guys were like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to kill him. So I literally left work early, came home, ended up killing that deer. Like I just knew it. Yep. I knew everything was going to, like everything was going to fall into place. Like I just could feel it in my gut. And I'm like, I'm going to go with it. You know, and it worked and I was like, all right, you know, my first mountain buck, I was working at an archer shop and the guy, John was like, you know, hunting tomorrow. I was like, I'm driving to the gap tomorrow. And he's like, what? I was like, yeah, I gotta leave my house at like one 30 to get there to hike up. I was like, I'm going to shoot a buck tomorrow. He's like, get the- it's October 19th or 20th, or whatever. And he's like, yeah, hey, uh, sure. Good luck. And I remember I called my buddy. Cause he want to go. He's like, sure. Pick me up. We're on the road at, at like 2 AM drove the three hours, hiked in there. At 7.30, I shot a buck. Yeah. Boom. Like, I just knew it. So, it's like, you got to have that mindset. Like, I'm a winner. I'm a killer. It's going to happen. And you got to have that from opening day to the end of the season. Yep. You can have some ups and downs, but you got to have that that mindset. Like, it's going to happen. Because you're going to start believing what you're doing is going to work. You know? Whether it does or not, like, take your little victories when you can. But if you get if you doubt yourself, wake up. It's, it's hard to get out of bed. Hard, hard to have confidence in the spot, and then you start moving a little bit more. You know, if you know you're going in a killer mindset, you're going to sit like a statue yep. and just sit in the glass. If you're like, this spot sucks, you're on your phone, you're just hanging around, you're doing all this stuff, you're not really paying attention, you're not in the moment, and that's when, you know, it'll happen and you're not ready for it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, too, is is we always say go with your gut feeling, right? And and this is a time frame where you, you, you have to go with that. But, you know, and – if you think about it, it's not even really a gut feeling. Like when you when your brain's telling you that you should do something for a reason, you know, it's probably because 
all these podcasts and all these, you know, all this information, you know, past hunts. I mean, all this is going through your brain with, without you even thinking it. And then when you, you, maybe it's a tree or a location or, you know, something that you're going out to do, you know, it's not really a gut feeling. It's, it's your brain telling you to do it because it's, it's running through all this information and it's telling you to do it for a reason. You know, yeah. it's really not even a gut feeling. Yeah. It, it It's a, a pretty educated decision to do that. So, and I, I think that's why we kind of second guess ourselves all the time. And I've learned to say, hey, if, if, if I pick or see a tree or, you know, the first one I see, it's a reason that my brain's telling me to do it. And that's the one. And I'm not going to sit there and be like, well, if I'm over here, if I'm over here, you know, ones if they come from this direction, you know, it's like, Man, your brain is telling you that first tree that looks good, get up in it and, you know, and go with that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And like hunting around like people that, like, you know, I, I look up to hunting wise, you know, and the one thing that said, you know, I picked up from is like, if you're not feeling it, leave. Right. And for me, I was like, I, I struggled with that for a long time, you know, because it's like, especially in the evening, you know, like you're leaving prime time. This could happen. It's like, dude, if you're not feeling it, like the moment's gone you're, you're you might as well just get out of the tree and, and and scout your way back to the truck and, and find a better spot or something for tomorrow like even during the rut climb up first half hour light this ain't it leave you know like get down and s- still hunt your way out and find something that gets you know you're like ah oh, it's feeling kind of bucky now yeah you know a lot of people that aren't mobile, they don't have that ability. You know, like I've been mobile my whole life, you know, ever since I started hunting climbers, hang ons and stuff like that. So I've never had fixed stands. Like this is my tree this is all I got. Like I've always had a climber on my back. So it's like my dad, we'd hunt this property here, there. So it's like, you were always ready to go. You had food, water, you can sit all day. Like my dad was a big proponent that even as a kid, like you had food and water for all day, yep. you know, and we'd sit midday and, you know, early October. Because it's like, buck, they're going to get up and move. Deer are going to get move. And seeing a lot of deer, you know, at 10 to 2 in October, hot, 90 degrees, deer are still going to move, hunting your water, stuff like that. So being mobile has its, you know, advantages um, because you can get down and make a move and be ready to go in, you know, 20 minutes' time. Because you, you might just need to move over 50 yards, you know, or you see deer like they're filtering through something. Get down and go where the deer are at. Yep. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like you're sitting here the rest of the day. It's like you're 50 yards out. It's like might as well just go home. You know. Yep. I always think of what Ryan Glitsky said when he said about he's not getting up in the tree until like the sign tells him to. You know what I mean? Like he, like there's not like he has a plan as to why he's getting in that specific spot. Yeah. And I just you know, and and hunting with Johnny, you know, mm-hmm. you know how he views the woods completely different than, than me, but he likes to get set up you know, at gray light for me, like ah, sacrilegious. Like you can't do it, <laughs> but it, it works, you know, especially during the rut time. Cause you get into a spot, you know, especially if it's like a new spot, you're like, oh, there's, I seen some does here night before. Well, if you're off in the big woods, you know, by 30, 40 yards, like you're, you're, you're off by a mile, but wait till it's daylight. You can see the signs, see the tracks, see the droppings. All right, this is it, and slowly get up the tree. You know, it takes me, you know, twenty minutes to get set up, super quiet. Right, and you know, like I shot deer that in that method, climbing up. It's like my bow is right there. I can slowly pull my bow up. You know, I've got the linemen's on. Like I can shoot climbing up a tree. You know, so it's like 
getting up a gray light isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, sometimes it's needed because you need to see that sign that someone say, all right, hunt here. You know, those are feeding here, but where exactly are they feeding? Yeah. You know, because you can be where they're feeding, but if you're, you know, we're bow hunters. So it's like, you got to be kind of close, you know, not all like, I'm not going to take a poke at 80 yards, you know, at a deer, I'd rather be 20. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's more my comfort, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So here's, here's a situation, but before I, we transition to, to one more last topic, basically with this is hypothetically you go in an area where, you know, there's buck bedding and there's some scrape, some fresh sign, you get in there in the morning and kind of like what we just said, it's, out two hours go by and you're like, you know what? I was anticipating that if a deer was going to be coming in here already, it, it would have, are you pivoting and going into getting down and scouting to that next spot, possibly instead of going home? Cause again, we're, we're all kind of in that same boat. We have that three day window, three, four day window where this is it. So we're, yeah. you know, we're not wasting time. What does that look like yeah. for you, Greg? Yeah. If it's, if I'm not feeling it, yeah. you know, like I said, like the does go like, you, you, the fresh cut corn and they're coming back. There's acorns dropping here. Like if those aren't feeding through, that means they're not here. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I going to spend time there? Yeah. You know, especially like you're getting in that, you know, like that rut time where bucks are going to be with the does. So if you're not seeing the does, it's like, well, maybe I need to go find some does, yeah. you know, and get down. And, and like I said, I always have enough food and water to last all day. Yeah. You know, I'm not a minimalist guy. Like I'm a, I'm a maximus, you know, like I have, more stuff than I need, but <laughs> I can stay overnight. You know, if yeah. something happens, I got uh, emergency care. I get, you know, I'm good. Yeah. So I have everything I need for an all day sit every time I leave the house. See, that's really um, good. And I feel like going back to what you were saying about being mobile, that's where I am for me personally, mentally, like Zach Farnball has tried like to drill in my head. And what I've been trying to drill in my head is that we are going in, like you said, even though we have everything and if we're going out, we have extra things. Our setup to get up in the tree in the saddle form is so minimal, right? Like it's yes. not like you have to be like, oh, well, it's going to, like you said, for going slow, being, you know, very like minute with your detail of climbing that tree quietly, it still only takes you 20 minutes. Like that's not yeah. long at all, you know? So no. you don't be married to that spot. And that's what I personally, I hope I'm getting better at and we'll, you know, and that's do. why like people like Zach, you know, and Johnny, these guys are successful. It's like they have no problem moving, finding the sign that they feel is going to make them kill deer. Yeah. And that a lot of times, like you're just shifting 50 yards. You're not even like going like to the next County property. Like you're just going over 50 yards and you're just like, wow, this trail's tore up. Look at these acorns, look at this scrape, look at this fresh rub. Then you're like, all right, this is it. You know? And then you're like, you slowly climb up, you know, and you're in that time frame where, deer could be moving all day so it's like you're not you didn't really lose a day yeah you gained a little bit of knowledge maybe for the next day like all right here's a hot sign like the wind isn't right for here let me back out but i'm gonna be here tomorrow morning and you got your tree marked boom there's one to go you know throw a tack or mm-hmm. you know a pin whatever you whatever you got going on and then come back in the next morning because you're you found the sign you're looking for yep. you know so being mobile is i mean it, it definitely helps especially you know on public because the pressure is always changing. The food's always changing. You don't have like a food plot or not necessarily some place have food plots, but you know, they're hikers, duck hunters, squirrel hunters, you know, like for me, you know, some of the spots of hunt rabbit hunting's big. They're in the swamps. 
these guys are running beagles in in the swamp, chasing these bucks out. They're just running around in circles in the swamps. There's you know, avoiding the dogs. So it's like they're used to getting bumped and moved around. So it's, they're they're not going anywhere else, you know. Because like yeah. a thousand acre swamp, there's plenty of places in the high in a thousand <laughs> acre swamp. Right. Do you have anything else for? tactic strategy wise no so here's here's the one last thing greg you know i've you know for following you along the last couple of years and you know not obviously knowing what a passionate hunter successful hunter you are but you you're also just as passionate with your archery skills and yes. and uh one thing for that i think all of us hunters that we strive for the one and i i don't want to sound like an asshole but like the ones that like we eat, sleep, breathe this stuff. Like I love, if I'm not shooting my bow four times out of five days, like I- I'm miserable, right? Like even if yep. it's just shooting two, two arrows, like when I say, Hey honey, I'm going out to the garage real quick. And I just go boom, boom. And I'm like, ah, yeah. oh, there, there's my, my archery therapy. You know, what have you done over the years? Uh, when it comes to drawing back on an animal that you could either talk about physically, mentally to execute that shot. You know, the, there's a lot of, I think we all need a, a trigger. Like a lot of guys I see there, they pick up their bow, you know, and they, they have the, all these different cues. They're not very consistent in what they want to do. Like for me, when I leave the house, if I'm going to shoot a doe, doe or buck, I say it's on doe or buck. And the first doe I can get a shot on, I'm shooting her because I told myself I'm going to shoot a doe. You know, first year comes in, I'm shooting. And when it comes to certain times of year, it's like, I'm not shooting a doe. I got meat. Like, this is straight bucks, you know, bucks only. So when I leave the house or drive to the spot, I already know what type of animal I plan on shooting. You know, very rarely, like, unless they're, like, injured, a doe's injured or a buck's injured or something, it kind of changes that, you know. And when I see a deer, I don't pick up my bow every deer. Like, I know I'm going to shoot a doe. So first thing I see, I pick up my bow. That's my trigger. I'm in kill mode. I don't pick up my bow for to, I'm going to just draw back and do this, do that. Like I do that in the backyard. I know how to swing around being a hang on climber platform saddle, you know, whatever what it be like. I don't need to draw my bow back and swing it around and, and look at this and do all this extra movements. Cause I just, I do that here in the backyard. I don't, when I get to the tree, I'm, I just want to kill. So when I see a buck, I pick up my bow. I'm in kill mode. I know exactly what I need to do. I'm going to execute that one shot as best I possibly can, given the, you know, scenario, whatever. So for me, it's when I pick up that bow, it's go time. You know, I don't touch my bow unless I plan on killing something. Once it hangs on the bow hanger, if I don't see nothing, I, I take it off the bow hanger, I, I drop it to the ground. When I pick it up, I see a deer, that deer's going to die. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, maybe I'll shoot a doe, maybe I won't, or mm, I don't know, he's kind of far. Uh, he's, she's too far. She's in some thick stuff. Like a lot of guys start second guessing gals, you know, women want to be all inclusive here. You know, a lot of people, you know, they put up, they, they plant that seed of doubt. Like you pick up that bow, it's go time. That animal's going to die and you're going to execute a perfect shot. And I think more people need to get that mindset. You know, it's not like, well, see if like I, I've done it, like I've picked my bow up and like, man, he's, I'll set the bow back down. It's like a reset. I got to set it back down, like look away, like clear my head. It's like, you know, maybe got the jitters or whatever and then pick the bow back up, you know, and like, and, and go through that, that, that motion, you know, like, if it's not there, you know, and 
you know, for years I shot a hinge and a spike release hunting, you know, which was going on 12, 13 years now. And there's been moments I pull back and I'm not in it. That's that the release don't didn't break, but that deer lived. I didn't rush a shot. So it was good, but you know, good training, you know, like I can let deer walk, you know, <laughs> and you know, and sometimes you'll know, say you want to shoot a doe, nothing wrong with drawing back, putting your pin on a live animal and go through your shot process. Don't execute it and put it back down and set the bow back up, you know, because letting down is a hard thing to do on an animal. If the shot's not there, you know, sometimes you got to practice, you know, in a, a real world scenario, you know, especially on a buck, like not many people like that, let down on a buck. They're going to force that shot. And that's just terrible. Yeah. You know, you got to learn to let down. If the shot's not there, if they're angling towards you or some brush, just let it down, man. That's a hard thing to do because the deer that you're looking for is right there at 20 yards, but there's no shot. You beat the deer, man. You won. He's in your, he's in your wheelhouse. You won. Take that, you know, take that win. You didn't get the deer. He's not on your wall. You don't get to brag, but you beat him. Yeah. So that's a win. You know, whether you put him on your wall or not, you know, you beat a mature animal and that's always good. You know, put a feather in your cap. Like, yeah, I won. Yeah. Didn't necessarily get the trophy, but I won, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Thinking that warrior mentality, you know, like you're going into battle, your bow is your weapon, you know, mm-hmm. and be focused and ready to use it when needed. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of people just doubt, you know, like, not to say anything bad about Johnny Stewart, but like his <laughs> bow, he's got different arrows in his quiver. Like his bow, you look <laughs> at him, you know, and it's like, oh, man. But the dude's a killer. Yeah. You put a deer in front of him with a bow, it's dead. Right. There's like no like like I don't know how it happens. He just knows I'm gonna kill this deer. No rangefinder, like no binoculars. He's like, boop. I just shoot it, and the deer dies because <laughs> he's told himself a thousand times in his head, "I'm killing." I pick up, I'm drawing back an arrow. That animal's gonna die, and that's just years of doing it where you believe it, you know. And it's like you gotta believe it can happen, or it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Or if you get your moment, you know, you might you know blow it. You know, you think say like Levi Morgan, he's gonna draw back on a deer. I'm like, it's just not there now. Like he knows he's drawing the bow back, be it at 70 yards or hundred yards or 20 yards. Like he's killing that deer. Like he has a, you know, a winner's mindset where it's like, I'm going to win yeah. and I'm going to execute a great shot. And that deer's going to die quick and efficiently, you know, no doubt. I like that. Greg, man, I dude, this was a fun conversation. Uh, just real quick, rapid fire. What's your, uh, just some funny ones, go to snack in the, in the all day sit in the woods. What's my go to snack yep. is pro bars and, uh, peanut butter or almond butter. Nice. Favorite in a silicone bag. I take everything out and put it in a silicone bag. So there's no noise when I open it up. Ooh, there you so. go. Little, little pro tip there. I like that. <laughs> what about uh, call call calling your shot time frame this year? What what do you think? I'm gonna go first week of October. Nice, I like it. I feel I feel that's uh, I I I feel that's the the time where I'm gonna get an opportunity. You know, whether I I kill him or not, I think my my first opportunity is gonna be in in that time frame because. Historically speaking, there's a good shift around here, and I think I got a good idea. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time looking at food where they might be shifted. So, yeah. I think that's I'd like to be before, be great before, but I think first week of October is going to be it. Will you ever be going back to Delaware again? 
I'm going to tag out. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tag out here in Jersey. So I'll be forced to. Was, was year two better than year one? Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was uh, a lot of people. Um, really? We battled people. Hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of pressure. Um, a lot more than normal. And it was weird, you know, not to get able to rapid fire, but I had a, I ran some cameras and I didn't realize like Delaware, like you got to have a, a, like a permit to run cameras. Oh, wow. I don't know. Yeah. I read the rule books. I was like, Oh, you got to call and get a permit and you got to have your name and all that stuff on the camera. And I was like, I, I didn't know. So I had some cameras and great deer. I mean, hammer deer. Yep. And then the 18th of August, a dude walked by who was actually hunting that spot and boom, all the big bucks disappeared. It took one person walking the field edge from bucks to completely just disappear, not even coming into that field where I had where we had the cameras. Just completely vanished. Let me so add just Yeah. Ground set. One one bit of ground set in mid October or uh, mid mid uh, August. And it's like, wow. So just you think of all the times we're in the woods checking cameras, leaving ground set in spots that deer feel comfortable. Cease. Yeah. Wow. So let me ask you this, because I, I, I wouldn't say I'm convinced, but I'm convinced. <laughs> Every deer that I see individuals, because I didn't go back this year. I, I would like to. I, I for sure would like to. Man, but it just seems like any individual that I see or associated with that knows someone that's killed a deer yeah. that first weekend or that first week in Delaware and I, I, I could give two craps if it's private or public. I really don't care wherever you are. It's it's like 99.9% always on private. Like, I've yet to see someone kill a public land, like, nice buck. Like, there's, you know what I mean? If, man. Guys that say it's, it's public, and I'll go on a limb and say it's probably 50% public. Because like, there's, like, I've seen some pictures here on social media. These guys are like, this dude you look at, you're like, so you're telling me, and you listen to the guy's story, it's like, I've been hunting long enough, you know, and I hunted there last year, and those bucks were nowhere near field edges during daylight mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I had three people who were hunting down there late last year and this year, it's like, they were not coming into the field at all in daylight. Right. And these dudes are like, oh, time on the beans. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe. Um, uh, a non-pressured area, <laughs> right? But a place that's receiving some pressure, and like, you know, and the the glassing thing. Unless you got like a vantage point, or, or you got like a bean field that's hidden down there, you know. But there's no glass. glassing points too, you know. The glassing points because yeah. it's so freaking flat. Yeah, exactly. So, so these guys are like, I glassed them. You know, he came out three nights in a row, and I shot him the first night, and you're like. All right. Nice. Okay. Like, good for you. But uh, yeah, yeah uh, I give you like credit, but uh, like only 50%. Sorry. Yeah. Maybe I'm just a hater. I don't know. But it's like a lot of guys killing some. I mean, these are big deer. So you're talking, you know, like 140, 50, 60 inch deer. You're like, yeah, I don't know. I've been hunting a long time. Those deer just, they know when people, it takes one truck stopping or a car stopping for a buck that's been around a few years ago. Well, it's about that time, Bob. We're going to go back into the dark and 
we'll be here at night. <laughs> Dude, to build off of that, last year, Jim and I were in the truck, and we were going to – it was pouring down rain, and it was, of course, in a private you know field. There was a buck just – I mean, he was hard horn already, but, man, he was just from – over 300 yards away, you could just see the size of that sucker. And as soon as we stopped, he booked it for the timber. I mean, mm-hmm. you are over 300 yards away, and he was just living his best life in the rain in that field. And all of a sudden, we stopped, and he just yeah. booked it. I was like, whoa. He's been shot at before. Here in, here in Jersey, it's it's like that in July. Like in Delaware and in some other states that, that I've been, like July, June, it doesn't really affect the deer. Like they'll, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah. Here in Jersey, it's like you stop in July. You're like, well, I'm out. And it's like it's, as soon as you stop, as soon as you hit your brakes or any type of the the tires rolling, them bucks are like deuces, yeah. and they're gone. And you're like, wow, I, I can't even glance you. Yeah. You know, it's like I have like my wife drive by, and I'm like, I got my binos on. I'm like, just drive slower, just keep moving, just don't stop, don't hit the brakes. Yeah. Just like coach, but it's like. Yeah, it's a shooter. Yep. All right, all right. Come back. Drive back three or four times. She's like, no, I'm not doing that. I was like, just come on. Let me yeah, get a better one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Greg. Dude, where could people find you, follow along, and uh, watch you tag out? Um, YouTube, Instagram, uh, mainly Instagram. Uh, I got back into filming again this year, so i uh going to try and keep keep at it. Keep pumping um, that out. Yeah, and uh, – kind of missed it you know and like when i was filming myself like i was having success and then i didn't and then i hated it because it was cost me a deer but i didn't realize like when i see deer when i'm filming it kind of slows it down mm-hmm. i focus on the camera and getting ready like i don't focus on the deer so it's like boom boom it gives me something to take my mind off of what i need to do so it's like you know I'll, subconsciously i'll execute the shot pick up the bow like i'm good to go but the camera keeps me focused on what i need to do all right get the camera there all right pick the bow up or it comes to things will come here and it's like it slows it down for me a little bit and uh like i, I shot that doe <laughs> i guess i did a whole b-roll footage walking in i did all that stuff setting up the setting up the sticks and all i was climbing up hanging the platform i filmed all that stuff deer coming in it was great and i guess when she came in she had some I, those bucks down there so i moved the camera i guess the camera had I don't have a link button, you know, the remote control. So I guess it went around and hit the record button. So I did all that work and I missed the shot. And I was like, (laughs) and then like I did the whole exit, like the outro thing. I'm like, man, I was watching. I was like, what? I missed the shot. You see where it goes up and you see her coming out, you know? And it's like, you hear me like get the bell off the hanger and then it just goes blank. And I'm like, all that work for nothing. I'm like, (laughs) I just deleted it all. I was so angry. I'm like, I did really good everything and i was like and eh, so yep. i'm like hopefully that gets out of the way and that's my only fuck up this year yeah so. that's good man good stuff well i appreciate you coming on everybody thanks again for tuning in we'll see you next week and antler up